You asked for resin fangirls who call. I have called. <laughs> this is Darth Revan, and I never listen to the Euro 66 podcast because Bastila won't let me. I don't have That's my two-year-old son, and he never listens to the Order 66 podcast. News from the Republic Front. Attempts to suppress the Order 66 podcast have failed. After recovering from a dastardly bioweapon attack, your broadcasters are back on the air. While the Separatists never listen to the Order 66 podcast, our loyal Republic and clone Grand Army can. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Execute Order 66 Greetings and salutations, everybody. This is Sunday, October 19th, 2008. And this would be episode number 38 of the Order 66 podcast. And we have got a surprise for those of you in the chat room and joining us via Ustream. This is the first of our simulcast video podcasts. So welcome to all 19 of you in the chat room. And considering we gave you about three hours notice... It's about 13 more than I figured would be in there. So, as always. Me too. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. You know Plus what? I look, da- I look damn good on the webcam. I'm watching myself. I know. You know, I don't think they can hear I don't think they can hear all the music that I'm running through there, but uh, you know. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's okay. Uh I, I don't think I don't think they're going to mind too terribly much. But uh Welcome, guys, to the Order 66 podcast. For those of you who may have just walked into the room for the first time, this is the world's only fan-based and produced podcast devoted entirely to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And uh, we're glad to have you all here and listening to us banter and uh, ramble on for the next, most likely, hour to hour and a half. Who knows, right? It's a good thing. But I am GM Chris, and of course, with me as as always is my ubiquitous companion, uh, Jedi Master and Rebel Sympathizer, GM Dave. No need to pull out the cuss words, ubiquitous golly. Hey, we've got a guest on the show. Yeah, I know. We've got a guest on the show. Those of you would know him as Mostly Joe. Mostly Joe, welcome to the show, sir. Nice to be here, guys. Joe is going to be my co-host on the KOTOR MMO podcast that is going to be announced, well, the KOTOR MMO property is going to be announced on Tuesday at the LucasArts campus in San Francisco, and D20 Radio will be there. Aren't we excited about that? Hell yes. Almost didn't make it. (laughs) Almost didn't, but you know... Hey, um, we'll we'll let everybody in on the details after this all happens, but uh, safe to say Tuesday at 4 o'clock Central, 2 o'clock Pacific time, they will be unveiling the KOTOR MMO property, and hopefully we'll have the jump on it. You guys will be able to pick out the name of the podcast at that point in time, right? Should have all the Very ones cool. that were currently up on the website listed, and you can pick from there. 
Yep. We want to get started as soon as possible with that, but uh, it's uh, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I think that um, we're, we're going to be able to talk to the developers on Tuesday, actual development team awesome. from BioWare, from uh, from LucasArts, along with the PR guys and all that, and I just can't wait. So anyway, you know, I should have had that in the announcement section, but... Um, <laughs> with hope, we'll have a... See, apologies to mostly Joe because I didn't tell him that this was coming and he just, uh, you know, whatever. It's okay. It's okay. You know, somebody new to, new to the cast doesn't have quite the flow that you and I do, you know, stepping over each other with less frequency, you know. Right. Yeah. Hey, I'm curious. Chat room, can you hear the music? Probably real low. Probably them. real low. Well, they're sitting there having trouble hearing you, but that's okay. Um, but in any event, let's get on with some announcements, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, first of all, our first announcement, of course, Dave just made. And Joe, you had, it was one of your your friends, one of, one of your buddies who is apparently a huge Star Wars gamer as well, um, that's going to be our eyes and ears out in San Fran on Tuesday. Um, what is his name? That would be Barry. I have his full name here, if you'll give me just a minute. But yeah, he's going to be our contact out there at the con. He's a longtime RPG.net uh poster and basically i started cold calling around some of the people over in the san francisco area <laughs> looking for who was available yeah pretty much uh i big thing big shout out to him thankfully that he was available to help us do this That's and awesome. i believe it's barry figgins so big call barry out to figgins. barry figgins because he's going to be helping us out with this on tuesday and hopefully we'll have something for you on wednesday and that was what i was going to say ah. all right well Awesome. Well, Gamer Nation, tonight raise a glass to Barry Biggins, the man who is making something very awesome happen for all of you and all of us and all of those who are not part of us but would like to be something. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Excellent day. All right. Well, continuing on with our announcements, um, Joe, uh, I know that you, you've you never played 4th Edition Dungeons & Dragons, right? Oh, heck no. Never, heck, never, you, never. You've never touched it. You hate the system. You just you can't stand it. You know, you would you, you never are like a massive poster on our own forums, you know, in the 4th edition threads or anything like that. You you know, you never debate whether or not you're going to have to run Saga or 484E, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I have something I think might help you, Joe. If you're having trouble making up your mind about whether 4th edition is a good game or not, or if you just want to find out more about it, there is something you can do. Dave, oh. why don't you tell Tell Joe about that. <laughs> um, drink, everybody, drink right now. Drink. That would be <laughs> uh, ra- a that would be ra- radio free hamlet. By golly, radio free hamlet. RFH, the RFH crew, uh, DM Tim and uh, his posse, and that is posse. I did say with, with an O, and. Um, they are absolutely fantastic gamers, uh, guys that are incredible, and the crew actually got all the way to the finals of the D&D Open at Gen Con this past year, um, and episode 10 of RFH is up now, finally. Um, a lot of people are really excited about it, and they detail the fighter. Uh, so for those of you who want to get your um, your, your defense on, uh, the fighter episode is up right now. Listen to it and enjoy it. It's a good yeah. thing. Where can they go to download that, Dave? Um, I don't know. D20 Radio, maybe? Yeah, probably d20radio.com, where you can click on the uh, Radio Free Helmet link and do it. And while you're there, be large and be in charge with a D20 Radio t-shirt. Nick Gamble and the guys at Crazy Custom Tees are handling that for us, where you can get an Order 66 or Radio Free Helmet t-shirt up to, I think they're up to like 5 or 6x now for for, for those, you know, the majority of the Gamer Nation out there. Yep. (laughs) 
that can be provided for. So it's a good thing. But go there, support D20 Radio, and buy a T-shirt. We would we would greatly appreciate it. And while you're at the website again, uh, thanks to the brilliance of GM Dave, we now have the first set of downloads up and available for you. Uh, Dave, what, what do we have up there right now? Well, currently, we have an index for Threats of the Galaxy put together by our own full-on gamer, which is fantastic. Just pop it in there. It's formatted 9x9 for you, so you can just pop it out, put it into the book. But awesome. we also have, and I just loaded it up today, as a matter of fact, a, a small mini module that. Okay, that it's, we got. It's cool. I yeah. mean, have, have you have you read it? I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to because I, mean, I know you just got it recently. I haven't really read it because I was putting it together, um, and Dude. I now I've got my notes down, so I don't know who sent it to us. It was Josh. No, jo- Josh Helton. Yeah, okay. Josh Helton sent it to us. Josh Josh Helton is the guy who has written this module. It's a mini module. It's designed for level four characters, and will award roughly ten thousand XP when you're done. And it's great um, for a concerted effort. Probably like a three or four hour module, um, complete with maps, stat blocks, all of it. He's done a wonderful job. And uh, you can download this fine work directly from our website right now, d20radio.com. Just click on the downloads link. Yep. So while you're there, yes. And the other new thing I guess we have is uh, D20 Radio Live Video, which we've already kind of touched on. Yep. So very cool. All that's new on the D20 Radio front. And now, lastly, we cover juicy bits of web goodness. The KOTOR Web Enhancement number 6 is up, and they posted it quickly. It was quickly posted up because, I mean, they just put up number 5. Um, it's up at the official Watsy Star Wars site um, where you can read about and meet the Arcanian legacy. And for any fans of the EU out there, um, this is the capital ship that plays home to the uh, Addis Corp corporate headquarters as well as most of its research labs. And uh, this is a massive CL-15 capital ship. It's home to 100,000 people. Um, and if you follow the EU, it's later ravaged by the Exogorths that are unleashed by Lord Arco. But, yeah, okay. Um, as is, uh, this, this capital ship can easily serve you in any campaign you run. Um, it can you know, be a mobile city, more or less, you know, a massive uh, frigate or freighter. There's a lot of roles it can fill. And it's, it's good because we don't have a, you know, aside from the Imperial ships, there's not really a lot of published starships of that size and immensity and CL out there. So it's really good to have. Right. Good research. Also, on the Watsi site, Eric Cagle brings us another, and good God, that was quick, um, another Planet Hoppers article. Uh, the planet Findar is featured uh, in this article in all its criminal mind-wiping glory. Um, and it's a very cool world with a really cool history that they talk about. And a new species is also detailed, the Findian species, which make excellent mechanics. Plus two intelligence, um, uh, uh, skill focus mechanics as a, uh, a bonus feat. Truly, truly awesome species. Very cool. But both the web enhancements can be downloaded right now at www.wizards.com slash Star Wars. Go there. Download. Be happy. That's right. And while you're going places, I'll tell you where not to go. Do not go to Star Wars fan days. I'm sorry, but do yeah. not go. Okay? Ben Stevens, you are a 
Rick with a P, my friend. Promising things you could not deliver. And I don't know if your little cast is going to do well or not, but I don't care at this point. You know, and I mean, this probably doesn't do well for our community standing and all that. But, you know, I just hate being stood up by fellow media guys, you know. This is true. We contact Star Wars fan days and say, hey, we'd like to come just to press pass. That's all we're asking for, you know. Oh, sure. Not a problem at all. And then we never hear a damn word. Nothing. Cat, and this this convention is, is in our hometown Yeah. next weekend. And we haven't heard anything. So kind of wild. I'm actually a little lackluster on the con as a whole. I mean, I've just been looking at the website and stuff. I mean, they didn't start offering tickets for sale online until about a week and a half ago. I know. And um, I was just like, okay, that's really odd and unusual for, uh, for for whatever. Ooh, my wife has brought me dinner. Thank you very much. Oh, hey, did is TG in the frame? No. Okay. No, she's not. No, she's not. Well, that's all right. In the frame. They asked if you were in the frame, but you're not. So disappointing. So dis- <laughs> yeah, Joe says he's disappointed, but that's okay. So, yeah, anyway, Ben Stevens, you're a Rick with a P. It's a shame we didn't hear from you. We could have really helped out your uh, event, but uh, it's obvious you're really not concerned about that. So, oh well. Yeah. Seconded. So, Second. no, no Taco Cabana, no no Hooters in Louisville, and no Star Wars Fan Days. So, yeah, there you much. Go. All right. They have lost the D20 radio stamp of approval. <laughs> so, what do you think about um, your mailbox there? Well, I did happen to go to the mailbox this week, and, and I, I did have a, a postcard waiting for me from Commander Cody um, right here. And, uh, well, it's, it's really, it's, it's, kinda, it's, kinda, it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's a really fancy postcard. Um, it's covered in a, a glittery, shiny material um, with the image of a lush jungle world covered with a giant red kiss. Um, and the writing on the postcard reads, Ooh, ooh. <laughs> We're glad you've come to Loic, tourist. Stay for some singing, and we'll give you a big ol' smooch. Ah, big dating game kiss. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, well, our unit has managed to forcefully secure the services of the best Bith Chinkalu players on Clackdoor 7, and our quest to assemble the galaxy's greatest musical act for all Black Bones, our beloved Emperor Palpatine. After hearing the Bith play Chinkalu until our helmet mics started to short out, the other clowns decided that the band would be nothing without a great singer. We need a feminine voice, we knew that, and thus, we've headed to the planet Loic. Since we were already in the Outer Rim, we've trekked over to the Calron Sector and the planet Loic, home to the Paloic species. When contemplating what singer to requisition, the gorgeous Paloic beauty was really the only choice. Several of the men managed to catch the famous Sea Snoodles performed with the Max Rebo Band, the last season on Tatooine, and they've been in love ever since. <laughs> Myself, I can remember Laracel Chantrunis. She was crowned Miss Coruscant just a few years before the war. I was just out of my tube back then. Many of us who can remember her were smitten with her allure. The planet Loic itself is a fairly unremarkable world, a sphere of salt marshes and equatorial rainforests. Loic was never a part of the Old Republic, but became a protectorate of the First Galactic Empire several years ago. Paloics, of course, have the well-known lip stalks that give them such great allure. But most people don't know that the adolescents have large tusks that fall out in adulthood. 
although I'm told that a subset of the species keeps their tusks throughout their lives, and are an inherently more violent people as a result. Well, with any luck, we can find a singer as alluring as the Palawix we've come to love. Frankly, I have high hopes, and at the very least, it's a chance for surely on a planet filled with alluring beauties such as these, and that'll no doubt make the rest of the clowns happy. Alright, chips, we best be heading down planet side. Lipstocks await us by the thousands. <laughs> Remember, if you're in the mood for some good marsh fishing, or a serenade by a pair of gorgeous lips, the planet Loic awaits you. Catch you later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Our friend. Interesting. Yeah, it was all right. Pretty good. Interesting. So, how do you feel about the Paloics, Dave? Um, they're they're certainly an interesting, uh, interesting species. Yeah, I you know, they're there. Kissable slightly. Yeah. You can kiss them from a distance. I understand. You know, yeah. It's very, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From a distance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, I forgot. We should have. Uh, I uh, I wanted to thank uh, Joe. I wanted to thank you for coming on and talking about the Kotor MMO for uh, a brief second there at the beginning of the podcast and. Before yeah. you uh, before you left, I wanted to say thank you to you, and uh, we will be talking to the rest of our gamer nation very shortly, eh? Yeah, hopefully we'll have something for them by Wednesday, if not much later than that. Right. Thanks for being here. It's going to be awesome. Thanks for coming by, Joe. We appreciate it. Take care, Chris. Take care, Dave. All right. Take care. All right, man. Bye. And there he goes. He's gone. Into the... <gasps> I miss him already. <laughs> Into oh. the sunset, mostly Joe. <laughs> yep. We, we we gotta make a bumper, a bed, you know, just a, a drop, you know, mostly Joe. <laughs> into the sunset, yeah, yeah. That would or be, not? Yeah, that would be funny though. So, um, don't you think it's about time for? Arch, come back, pay attention. It's time for mail call. There you go. Hey, before we get started, yeah, I have a question that you can take away to your next trip to Watto's from Full On Gamer. Okay. And here it comes. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Full On Gamer. Mr. Smith is looking for a new ride, and I was wondering if you could check in with your uh, Tatooine contacts over at Watto's Bargain Bin to see if he's got sitting on his used spaceship lot one of those uh, Republic-era Y-Wings that we have just seen in uh, the Clone Wars Episode 3, the full fairing y wing. Oh, well, I can definitely with check with Watto on that. that. Would you? Thank you much. Yeah. So, we can get him a price, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. I'll check with Watto on that full on. For a price. See, I'll see what he can do for you. I'll see. He, you know, he's got connections all over. There you go. But we'll see what we can do, most I've, definitely. I've got two other uh, that we'll get to right after we get to the emails. Done. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, mail call this week. Uh, Sebastian, our friend Sebastian, emailed me with another question this week. He said... I have a quick question, which is probably already cleared up somewhere, but oh well. The Masasi species description, Masasi, states that it considers the Landvarok as a simple weapon, while the Landvarok description says that it's considered an advanced melee weapon by the Masasi. Now, I did notice there are two types of Landvarok. Are they referring to the basic Landvarok in the species block and the Masasi Landvarok in the equipment section? What's the difference? Okay, Sebastian, let's take a look. Um, there are two types of Landvarok in the KOTOR campaign guide, uh, noted on page 69. 
There's the Sith Landvarok and the Masasi Landvarok. Now, the Sith Landvarok is a, a wrist-mounted technology that it fires metal discs at its target, and it holds a clip of five discs. Now, the, the Masasi Landvarok is a much more primitive weapon. It's almost a polearm-like device that the wielder uses its leverage to hurl these discs uh, you know, at its target. And then it can also use the staff as a melee weapon. Now, the Masasi species entry on page 16 specifies Landvarok. It doesn't make a distinction. And it says that Landvarok are treated as simple weapons by all Masasi. But as you point out, the equipment stat block for the Landvarok says that Masasi treat them as advanced weapons, so which is right. Alas, there has been little clarification on that front. Now, frankly, as a GM, I would rule that the species description trumps the equipment description for a couple reasons. First of all, the Masasi are a primitive species, okay, which means that they can only use simple weapons off the bat. And I can't see the rules allowing them to treat the weapon as an advanced melee weapon when it's you know, a, a weapon of Masasi culture generally. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I'm going to go with the simple weapon ruling for it to make sense. But I can also see a GM ruling that only the Masasi Landvarok, the more simple, you know, single disc holding that also can be used as a melee weapon, uh, that would be the only one to get that distinction. And if you have as a GM were to say, you know, okay, the Masasi Landvarok gets to be treated as a simple weapon, the Landvarok gets to be treated as advanced melee, which doesn't make sense because it's not actually a melee, um, then I would understand that completely. So... There's my ruling, um, but here's an open call to any devs who might be listening and want to send us a correct ruling. We'd love to have it. So, there we go. Right. Uh, another email came to us from the gentleman we just had on our podcast, mostly Joe, uh, with an excellent game design question. Uh, he uh, emailed me uh, this past week, and he said, Chris, beyond advice from the book, how do you as a GM handle experience rewards? Um, do you use it to speed up or slow down the process of the PCs in your game? What benchmarks do you use for encounter design based on experience rewards? Anything to watch out for? That's a good question. Um, you want my opinion? XP awarding should never be used to hold a character back. Uh, I mean, you know, if it's due to him, give it to him. But okay, think, think of it this way, and this is kind of the best way I look at it. Though other games might not be this way, Star Wars is, at its core, a very, a very cinematic game. Uh, I mean, it's based on movies, and as such, I feel that a game session should be a complete adventure that ends with an awarding of XP at that time. I do not advocate mid-session awards of XP or awards of XP at the end of several sessions. When you end a session, be prepared to award XP, all right, um, for the system at least. Now, as such, I think you should structure your sessions, and in it, which are in essence a series of encounters, to be ready for a set XP award at session end. Now, when I design my adventures, I take a rough guess as to what will most likely be the total CLs the party will face based on the CLs of the threats and the situations, storylines, and the RPing accomplishments the PCs will face. And then I'll have a general idea of how far the PCs will advance at the end based on that projected XP. But, I mean, you're always going to adjust that figure after the game. I mean, depending on how hard or easy the encounter ended up being. So, I mean, it's not hard and fast. Just give yourself a general idea and then go with it. But, you know, that's my general advice. So, I hope that helps. So Yeah. All right. Continuing on, um, Avendasora uh, PM'd me this week and also posted up a question on the forums. A rather long one. He said, what happens when a force slam is rebuked? Here's the situation. And this kind of makes sense. You had a dark force user who attempts to force slam in a six-square cone that included two other force users and then one or two non-force users. Both force users have rebuke. They use it, and they beat the dark users use the force check by over five. Now what? I have a couple questions based on that scenario. 
Does the Dark Force user then take two Force Slams because of the two rebukes? If the Dark Force user has one rebuke, can he try to rebuke both of both of the rebukes against him or just one? And if just one, how should you determine which? If he has two rebukes, can he use them both? Does a rebuked Force Slam only affect the original user, or does a six-square cone emanate from the rebuker? What happens to all the bystanders within the original six-square cone? A successfully rebuked Force Slam, regardless of where it's, whether it's reflected, uh, does it still affect everyone in the area? Um, and, you know, these are a lot of complicated questions, and they make sense. Okay. Avendasora, our forum community that took a good stab at this, and I'm going to try and echo much of what they've said while clarifying this, this complex question. But basically, let, let's, let's talk about it simply. If a force power is thrown out there, it can be rebuked. Now, if there's multiple rebukers who want to try, let them. To follow KISS, I would let them attempt to rebuke in initiative order. If the first one rebukes it, great. The second one doesn't get a chance. It's already been rebuked. If the first one fails his rebuke, well, then give the second one a shot at it. Okay, But there's only ever one force power involved here, the original force slam. So if it's rebuked once, it's done. The second Jedi does not get an opportunity to rebuke the same power. Okay. Next, don't determine effects or damage until the results of the rebuke are completely resolved. Okay, think of that scene in episode three where Obi-Wan and Anakin are like duking it out um, you know, in, the, in that, that facility after Anakin killed off all the Separatist leaders. And there's a point where one throws a force slam at the other and the other rebukes it. And they have their hands near each other and they're kind of just holding it back and forth for those few tense seconds until you know, their rebukes finally cancel each other out and they both get affected by the power and get knocked prone. Okay? That's an excellent example to think about how this should work. Right? Once the winner is determined, that person literally determines where the cone goes from their square. Okay? Now, in the instance where both parties are affected by Force Slam, overlay two six-square cones to determine the total area. But even doing that, it's still only one Force Power. And as such, any of the poor souls caught in that extended area are only going to take damage from one use of the power. Okay? Now, continuing along that line... He had more to his question. He said, okay, separate issues brought up by all this. Does a force slam hit an already prone target? How many reactions can you take during a round? If you successfully rebuke and then reflect the power that allows you to use a force point to increase its effect, can you do that? Can you use a force point to increase the effect of a rebuked power? Okay, quick answers for you. Yes, a force slam hits a prone target. Why wouldn't it? Being prone is a side effect of Force Slam. And whether you're prone, sitting, standing, dancing, singing, or you know, making love to a Twi'lek slave girl, oh. you're going to take the damage when you're hit with Force Slam. Okay? Uh, you get as many reactions around and so as you she. can use. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. Yes. As would she. Yes, very good. Uh, okay. Unless, unless, of course, she had rebuke. You know, then she could rebuke it for you. you know? What was that? Did the Earth move? No, no, no. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, reactions. Uh, uh, you get as many reactions around as you can use, uh, but reactions such as rebuke or like deflect or block for that matter cannot have force points spent on them because simply you can't spend force points when it's not your turn. And that's clarified on page 93 of the core cool rulebook. However, there is a new feat, force readiness, page 33 of the KOTOR campaign guide that does allow you to spend force points when it's not your turn. But in the case of rebuke, I would never allow force points to be spent by the rebuker to modify the power. You didn't create the power. You shouldn't be able to modify it like that. Yeah, you rebuker. Get you rebuker. My... I'm done with you, you see? Get off my lawn. Stay off my lawn, you old man. <laughs> what is that? What is that? What is that? I don't know. Well, I got one more 
email question. Uh, Darth Goo posted this up, uh, a help request on the forums this week. He said, okay, guys, I need some help with Raw. Force Stun says that it's used up to six squares or line of sight. Or, or, what the bloody hell is this saying? If an enemy is seven squares away, can I still use the power? What about through a screen like Vader does with grip? What if a Jedi doesn't see a person but can feel them in the Force from behind a wall? Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Okay, see, that was for you. Bloody hell. I love it. That was for you, Ardeth. Yes, thank you, Ardeth. I know he's in the form chat. Um... Okay, Goo, this often causes a lot of confusion. It's really easy. We're going to try and break it down. Six squares or line of sight. Basically, one of those two conditions has to be met for the power to work, which means that if someone is not in line of sight, but you know where they are, and they're within six squares, you can use the power. This means you can force stun the guard on the other side of the closed door, as long as you know exactly where he is, and he's within six squares. Let's say, okay, let's say you're at the game table, okay, and you present this to your GM. All right, now a couple things are going to happen. Uh, GM, Chris, I want to force stun him. Okay, Goo, is he within six squares? No. <laughs> okay, but can you see him? Yeah, he's 100 meters away standing on that watchtower. Okay, great, then you can do it. Or, uh, okay, Goo, can you see the target? No, he's behind a door in the next room. Okay, well, how do you know that if you can't see him? Oh, I made a use the force check to ignore cover, and then I made a perception check so I can sense him. Okay, great, is he within six squares of you? Yeah. Well, great, then you can force stun him. That's kind of the bottom line. One or the other. It's fairly easy, but it can be a bit confusing. Right. So. Right. Excellent. Now, if you guys have any email questions, please, of course, email them to me, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com. Post them up on the forums at uh, d20radio.com slash forum, or, or you can call the Loose Line, yep. 206-600-5872, and you can do what these fine folks did, that Dave's about to play these questions for me. By golly. Or you can actually record it and leave it voicemail on Skype. Skype that. Skype. Yep. GM Dave is my name at Skype. A lot of you have found me, and you can send it via voicemail on Skype. It's a lot cleaner that way. So we have a question from GM Elias, who has a question about Stormtrooper armor. Okay. Hey, guys. Over at the Order 66 podcast, this is GM Elias. And it's really long, too. It's about a minute and a half. I have a question for you. We are... Uh, starting our first Saga Edition game, we've uh, run our first session, and I have run into a conundrum. I was wondering if uh, you guys could perhaps share some of your experience and what you may have done with this. Here's the issue. Stormtroopers. They're meant to be slaughtered. They're meant to be killed. They have ten hit points. They're meant to be go- you know, sent against first-level characters. First thing in the game, you might be shooting Stormtroopers, Right. However, they have the absolute best light armor in the entire freaking game. 8,000 credit armor that really kicks some poodoo. So, I'm asking you guys, how have you dealt with this? You know, I'm waiting. I haven't really told my players, you know, they're like, oh, can we strip the stormtroopers? Because that's what we used to do back in the West End Games edition, you know. First adventure out, you kill some stormtroopers, you know what you do? You take their armor. You know, get that plus one dice to your strength it's different now and this armor really is awesome and so you know should i don't really think first level characters should be having armor that good uh, maybe i'm wrong maybe you know i just haven't got a high enough level and but it seems looking at that compared to all the other armors characters can start to try and buy at that level it's way better so i'd like to know what uh how you guys have handled this in the past and what other people 
And what other people have done is basically what that is. I cut it off about 10 seconds short. So, all right. You want my okay. quick and dirty answer real quick? Hey, lay it on us, man. All right. I had, I had two thoughts. One, one, depending on the era, the time, if they walk around under with uh, stormtrooper armor, then that's going to increase the likelihood that they're going to get shot at by other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that would uh, increase the difficulty of the campaign for them, and they'd probably want to get out of that armor. Or the armor was simply destroyed in combat. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you want an easy solution, um, Elias, I think I think Dave's second suggestion is fantastic. I mean, I watch Star Wars movies, and when those guys take a blaster hit to the chest, that armor has this huge, big, black scorch mark on it, you know, after they get hit. And I'm sorry, I think you are well within your rights to say, I'm sorry, that armor is not usable. Maybe you can collect pieces uh, after time, but, you know, maybe that's it. But... You, you made a good point, man. I'm sorry. If you wear Stormtrooper armor, you're going to get shot at, either by people who aren't Stormtroopers, or I'm sorry. I think the Empire might just take offense to that, don't you? I would. Uh, maybe maybe you know, hunt you down? Or um, you, you might. I mean, you never know. I mean, you might get thrown, in, you know, you, uh, uh, impersonating a Stormtrooper. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there, there's all kinds of ways to go with this, but... Throw him in the uh, brig, I say. I, I don't know, man. This is one of those... Uh, listen, I mean, this was the same issue we had with our, our When Good Games Go Bad segment a couple episodes ago. I mean, this game is not D&D, bottom line. It's not about killing things and taking their stuff. And really, judge your playgroup. I mean, if they're good role players who are really into the Star Wars universe, if you look at them earnestly and say, you're going to strip the stuff off the bodies, it's like, okay, just to wear it from now on? Yeah. Okay, is that something that the Star Wars character would do? Do you ever see that? Ah. Um, You know? You you saw it once. You saw it once in the movie, and that was it. Well, yeah, but it was a plot device. It was a plot device. Absolutely, it was. You know, and it, it, it had its purpose. And, you know, that's fine. If that doesn't appeal to them, if they're not those type of gamers, and not every gamer is, um, then appeal with reality. If they start walking around in that stuff, they're going to get jacked. Bottom line. Yep. So, you know, hey, hey maybe, that's a fun, maybe that's a fun plot hook. That's right. And we got uh, the last thing. Uh, Dusty called up one more Dusty. time. Dusty. Yeah. Okay. We hadn't heard from Dusty in a couple of weeks. So, um, last thing from him. Let's hear it. Hey, how you doing? This is Jack Dusty, and y'all can call me Dusty. Well, whichever somebody out there drop my name to those ISB agents and inquisitors and Comnor and whatnot, when I find your sorry sack of Sarlacc droppings, I'm going to give you what for. As it is, I had to pull up stakes and hit the hyperspace lanes. So I went and got myself a contracted tramp freighter out of budget Bantha and Farlaws. Yeah, those little Jawas cut me a good deal. I got me a one-way ticket to the ass end of nowhere. Ha! Well, after I get there, I'm going to look up some of these rebellion folks that you see are talking about now and see if I can set them right on the way things ought to be. I'll talk at you guys later when I can get another holonet out. This is Dusty. Signing off. And don't you listen to that Order 66 podcast. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that is great. I like Dusty. Good to hear from you, Dusty. Good to hear from you. I know it. Well, again, as Dave said, if you guys have any bumpers you guys want to send us, any I never listen to the Order 66 podcast bumpers, or other creative stuff for the show, or if you have a thorny question you want us to tackle, a rules issue that needs some clarification, 206-600-5872 is the Lusa line. You can also email us, sign up to the forums, become a member of the Gamer Nation, catch your voice heard. That's right. Or 
I have discovered the greatness of Twitter. And so you can follow me on Twitter. You're a Twitter. Yep. Talk to me like that. Twit. You twit. Twit. Twitter.com slash GM Dave. It works out pretty easily. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I will twit for you to your gaming edification. Very nice. Request a motion to suspend the rules. You're gonna suspend the rules? Shut up, Shaja! Motion granted. Alright. Well, for those of you who are not familiar with it, we are in the midst of our suspension of the rules. Suspending the Rules is our bi-weekly segment where we lay out the hard-worked house rules, adjustments to raw or rules as written, or brand new stuff that's never been written, uh, that you, the Fine Gamer Nation, have put out there for everyone to benefit from. And if you guys have anything you want to share with the rest of the Gamer Nation, anything you want us to focus on on the podcast showcase, post it up, d20radio.com slash forums. We have a thread specifically devoted to it. But this week... We are going to be talking about some mad skills, Dave. That's skills with a Z. Uh, we're going to be talking about two house rules uh, this week, uh, some, some of which you guys may already be using. Uh, the first one we are calling Lucky or Good. Uh, Darth Prefect noted this rule in our forums, although several of us, myself and me included, have been using this for quite some time. All right, Dave. I know you've seen this. One of the banes of many a GM's hard-worked game is the Munchkin Force User and the Munchkin Skill Monkey. Uh-huh. And more specifically, the Fool's Luck Talent. Now, for those who have not experienced this debauchery, consider this. Being trained in a skill, and use the Force is a skill, gives you plus five to that skill. Having skill focus in that skill gives you another plus five. Spending a force point and using the Fool's Luck talent gives you another plus five on all skill checks for that encounter. This means that a first level scoundrel can have a natural plus 15 to a check, and that's not even including his modifier. Okay? If he happens to be force sensitive, he's suddenly a force user on par with a trained Jedi Master. Not cool. So, there you go. Basically, this house rule changes the wording of the scoundrel talent Fool's Luck. Under this house rule, which I use in my own home games currently whenever possible, the Fool's Luck talent cannot stack with skill focus, any skill focus feat. Basically, you can be lucky or you can be good. Not both. Uh, thoughts? What do you think about this, Dave? Yeah, I like it. Only Well, at low levels, I like it. It doesn't seem this is going to have that big a deal once you get up to like level 14 or something like that, but... At low levels, yeah. it's absolutely necessary. I mean, I remember the I, we didn't I didn't make a character that was a build exactly like this, but it was close. And I had a plus. I, I want to say I had a plus eleven or plus twelve first yeah. level. No, no, no. We made we made second second level characters. That that's why it was a plus fifteen. I, I remember I had a plus fifteen. Use the force check with a second level character, and it was. Yeah. I mean, I never I never failed a force check. So I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? 
I hit everything yeah, it's, inside. It's, it's really hard. Another nasty, nasty issue I saw with the, the skill munchkinism um, was that uh, it was a, what was it? It was a pilot. This guy. Oh, this, this was the most disgusting thing I'd ever heard of. A Duros scoundrel, first level. And you know, Duros can reroll pilot checks as a racial ability, right? Yeah. He took training pilot, skill focused pilot, and fool's luck, and uh, vehicular combat was his set, the second level feat this this uh, character took. And you know, with vehicular combat, you can negate an attack, you know, against your against a, a vehicle you're in once around with an opposed pilot check. This guy not only had a plus like 19 to his pilot checks, but that he could re-roll. Uh, it, it was just ridiculous. So, that's a, you know, that that's a big deal. So, I really like this house rule. I think it's a wonderful way to balance things out. Yep. So there you go. The second house rule we want to talk about uh, is called Skillfully Intelligent. And this ruling is very simple, and uh, I kind of like it, but we'll talk about it. Uh, GM Brev, our, our minis guru, um, is a big proponent of this, although I've seen it used really a lot since the game came out. But basically, many characters feel that being restricted to training skills off of only your class list can be far too restrictive. I mean, is there really a reason your noble can't know mechanics? Um so, I mean, under this rule, basically, any bonus trained skills that you get from your intelligence modifier or for being human can be trained in any skill. doesn't have to be on your class list. Um, the exception, of course, being use the force, unless you're, you're force sensitive. What do you think about that? I don't know that I really have a big problem with it, but, um, I mean, certain classes were, giving, we're, were given certain skills for a balance reason. This is true, and so I, I have a, I think I have a fundamental issue there as to I'd like to see it long term to see if it creates some balance issues, especially I don't know I don't I, I don't I, I couldn't I can't come up with a reason right off the top of my head, but a noble a noble with mechanics is one for example if you've got a bunch of soldiers that's the price you pay for not having a scout or something that can help out with mechanics. Hmm. Good thought. Excellent. I kind of like it. I, I've i used it in the past successfully, but by the same token, I agree. I think I think for me the biggest argument against this, if there is one to be made, is scout. Why make a scout instead of a soldier? Because of the skill list. Right. Bottom line. And although this is only limited to your intelligence bonus and trained skills, if you could just do that, it really takes away a lot of the benefit of playing a scout. So that would be my only concern. But either way, these are two interesting house rules, and uh, they're available for thought for use in your games. So something else to take with you. And if you guys, again, have any of your own house rules you want to put up, get to the forums, d20radio.com, post it up there. We want to hear it. Yeah, me too. Wahoo. Of course, naturally. Wow, this perfect timing. So, you know what? Mm. Tweet, tweet like goodness checked in too, you know. Really? Yeah, let's get to her. And now, Dark Thoughts with Twila Goodness. You know what my favorite four-letter F word is? It's free. It sounds even better in real, however, since it's only three letters. Quick, to the point, and still satisfactory. Just how I like it. This has been Dark Thoughts with Twila Goodness. <laughs> that was, Very nice, that TG. Was, that was close to getting the BBC, but nah. Nah, not quite. Not quite. Uh, well, you want to start compadre, the meat of the show? 
Shall we start the meat of the show, Sam? Why not? Let's start the meat of the show. Ultimate builds. Oh, yeah, she uh, did send that picture, by the way. Yeah, she did. Um, we've had requests again and again on the forums and by email for folks who want help with specific builds. Uh, character concepts such as the medic or the Jedi negotiator or the tank. We're going to try um, in several upcoming episodes to do our best to draw together the current material that we have out to date and take a look at some conglomerations of character design, classes, talents, feats, abilities, and prestige classes. Um, this week, we're going to delve into an oft-requested build, the Sniper. Ah, I uh, love the Sniper. The Sniper. The Sniper being a character that specializes in long-range combat damage at distance, whether it be 30 squares or 300. We're going to look at the best way to build it. Now, what we cover here is by no means exhaustive, but just some things that we think you should consider when you're making a build of this nature and some of our favorite abilities and choices in that regard. All right, well, first and foremost, let's talk about hitting the target, to use a clever pun, of which we'll have many of in this segment. We're here, we're here, we're here. York, York. Drake. Uh, let's talk about the primary focuses of a long-range fighter. Bottom line, what concepts are you going to want to keep in mind when building a sniper PC or an NPC? Now, these things should be at the forefront of your mind when making your build choices, and honestly, they should be considered in this order. First and foremost, damage. Bottom line, guys, a two-handed melee monster with power attack is going to out-damage you any day of the week. All right, I played a game last night with a character burst firing a heavy blaster rifle for 5d10, and he still could not keep up with the Wookiee power attacking and rapid striking with his vibro axe. All right, you're going to want to choose equipment, weapons, and abilities to let you maximize the damage you deal. You agree with that, Dave? I see you nodding vehemently. Of course, because, you know, the Wookiee power and Rapid striking was uh, Salura. It was my Wookie. Yes, I mean you were you were. It was disgusting. You were averaging like thirty five points of damage a hit, something stupid like that. Not to mention was, the, the the two hits I got on the Jedi for sixty eight and seventy. No, fifty eight and seventy. Yeah, those were crits. <laughs> oh well, you know. Hey, what are you gonna do? <laughs> well, there you go. All right. So point number one, damage. Point number two, safety. Why have you chosen to be a ranged fighter? All right, the bottom line is it's usually going to keep you out of danger. All right, As such, you're going to want to pick abilities that let you make the most use out of cover, hide from your foes, and avoid going toe-to-toe with those vibro-axe-wielding Wookiees that guys like Dave like to play. Right? <laughs> yeah. Stealth is your friend. Hiding is good. Not being seen is not being hit. Buff your stealth. Buff your reflex defense. Oh, gee, buff your decks. Okay, Whoa. because it also helps you with the third point you must consider: accuracy. If you can't hit, what good are you? Yeah. The last thing you need to consider when making your choices is ensuring that you do hit. All right, focus on doing what you can to minimize any penalties you take to your attacks. Okay. Now, now that we have those things out of the way, and we keep those three things in mind. Let's dig a little deeper Ooh. into a matter of class, Dave. Ah uh, yes, I uh, I'm fairly low class myself. 
you know, I know. Sitting here. That's why. That's why I keep you around. A, you make me look good. A t-shirt. You know, I'll get the shirt and I'll get the shirt and tie out. This is our inaugural episode. <laughs> you know, I should have dressed a little nicer for the occasion. But <laughs> aside from the grungy t-shirt, yeah, at least I'm wearing a collared shirt. That's right. But see, my t-shirt has a cigar on it, so all the chat room can see the big cigar smokehouse thing. Yes. Yep. Oh, I'm impressed. Very nice. <laughs> All right, what classes lend themselves to a sniper build, a ranged attacker? All right, let's let's go through them. Okay. Uh scoundrel. <laughs> no. Meh. All right. Meh. Um this might seem like a good idea. All right, but I would not recommend it. All right. Their skill list is nice and it helps keep you safe with things like stealth and acrobatics. Um, but this doesn't make up for the poor base attack bonus, which reduces accuracy. I mean, now, hey, you're saying, with talents like Sneak Attack and Dastardly Strike, Scoundrels are great damagers, right? But the problem, okay. most, of their, most of their best stuff can only be used when you're within six squares of the target. Right. right? It's not exactly great for a ranged fighter. Um, plus, you only get pistol proficiency for free, all right? Rifles are essential for both range and damage, okay? Soldier, all right? Often the first choice for a ranged fighter. All right? You gain proficiency in rifles immediately, which you'll need to maximize your damage. You get access to some very useful weapon talents, plus you get a full base attack bonus, which gives you accuracy. All right? Not a bad choice at all. Scout. The more seasoned player will usually have several levels of scout when building a sniper. Rifle proficiency, amazing skill selections, and talents that knock the ball out of the park when it comes to ranged accuracy, which will more than make up for the only real detriment this class has, which is a poor base attack bonus. All right. Now, Noble and Jedi, I'm just going to put into a drawer and we're not going to talk about them. If you don't know why Noble and Jedi would make a poor choice for a ranged fighting-based build, go ahead and email me and um, we'll talk about it without wasting up valuable podcasting time and bandwidth. And I really don't think that would be a problem. So, basically, when it's said and done, take a look at the soldier and the scout, okay? Uh, frankly, I recommend a multi-class build between the two of these. Um, and that's just the best way to go. It gets both advantages of both different classes while hopefully minimizing the detriments of both. Um, often I like to start with a few levels in scout and then pepper in levels of soldiers to take advantage of that great hit die and that great base attack bonus as well as the few soldier talents that are really awesome that we're going to get to here in, in just a bit. So, A sniper is a sniper by any other species. So Dave, when you're building your sniper, what species lend themselves best to the build you want to do? Um, anything that has good decks often is a yes. start. Yes, that's that's a start, and that should be a, a default basic. Now there are a lot of choices out there, and uh, currently in all books there are a total of thirteen species that have a plus to dexterity, uh, which is a lot. Um, there are many choices, and you can make the most out of anything and make it work. But there's a few species, three in particular, I want to talk about that rise above the others in several ways. Okay, first and foremost, the Cathar. Open up to page 12 of the KOTOR campaign guide and cackle with glee. Bonus to your decks, off the bat, all right? Increases your accuracy. And stealth, Dave, is always a class skill for a Kathar, no matter what. So even if you decide to go straight soldier and don't pepper and scout, you can still, still train in stealth. And that's very, very important. It keeps you safe. As does a natural speed of eight squares, which is what a Kathar has, which keeps you mobile and safe, all right? 
And since you're probably going to be wielding a rifle, a weapon you can't make an attack of opportunity with, the natural claw attack of a Cathar makes up for that uh, little fact that you, you just can't make attacks of opportunity otherwise. You can slice up somebody who gets too close on the rare occasion, hopefully, that you, know, you don't want, want to enter into, that you have somebody coming up on you. The second species I'd like to talk about um, will make Asok Yizrim very happy, the Gran. All right. Now, people often don't think of the Gran as uh, ranged combatants, but I beg to differ. Many of us were waiting for a really long time for these three-eyed little antennaed goat people to be statted out officially in Saga, and Watsi did not disappoint when they did. Page 15 of the brand new Force Unleashed campaign guide, which you should go get if you have not, because it's freaking awesome. They don't have a dex bonus, but that's okay. They have everything else that matters. Okay, first of all, as we'll come to, Point blank, uh, actually precise shot, is really essential for a sniper. And Gran get precise shot, defeat, for free when they take point blank. That is huge, right? Secondly, Gran are visual masters. Aside from the fact that they have dark vision, which is almost too good, they take zero distance penalties to perceive any target within 50 squares. And that is freaking awesome. And best of all, and this is where I really, really think they make excellent range fighters, and we'll get to this more in our feet section. Once an encounter, a Grand can choose to aim with only one swift action instead of two. Now, many of the best sniper abilities rely on aiming, so this is wonderful, but we're going to get there. And lastly, sadly, I apologize to everyone but Duncan who loves them. <laughs> Gungans. Overcome your prejudice, Gamer Nation, and turn to page 26 of the Cool Rulebook. Gungans are awesome ranged fighters. Period. They get a bonus to dex and penalties to scores that you flat out don't care about as a sniper. A species plus two bonus to reflex defense. Low light vision, which is incredible for removing concealment. All that is rounded out by one of the most underappreciated abilities in the entire book, Hold breath. Poison gas? No problem. I can hold my breath for 250 rounds. Ten, or 25 times your constitution score is how long a Gungan can hold their breath. Underwater, poison gas, the vacuum of space. I don't care what it is. There's so many conditions that can uh, cause you to carry around nasty stuff like breath masks and aquata breathers and uh, vac suits. And if those nasty conditions happen, the Gungan is usually very safe. A Gungan is survivable, and that's the biggest thing I like about them. They make excellent range fighters that are really, really difficult to jack up. So consider them. They're awesome. All right. Moving on, Dave. Let, let's talk talents. What do you say? All right. Let's let's. Let's talk. Uh, the, the man would be talented, I, I would say. So, so okay, from, from the soldier and scout talents, which is kind of where we want to build off of since we've you know, kind of determined that those are really the best base classes to start from, what's going to be the best to accentuate a sniper build? I All don't right. know. Maybe, who knows? Huh? Camouflage stuff, keen shot. Keen shot. I freaking love keen shot. Uh, the scout's awareness talent tree, page 49. Ignore any penalty from concealment to your attack roll. Unreal. Now, it costs acute senses to get there, but it's worth it. I'm frankly, rerolling your perception check is never a bad idea anyway. Okay. Um, here's a new one that I absolutely love. Hidden Attacker. Uh, this is a scout talent. It's part of the Hyperspace Explorer talent tree, which is this all-new talent tree on page 28 of the KOTOR campaign guide. 
safety is paramount for you, and as a result, you're going to want to be stealthing a lot, shooting from a hiding position, all right? With Hidden Attacker, you can hide, attack, and then rehide as a swift action, which is absolutely awesome. It means you can move, attack, and then rehide as a, uh, a swift action, and that's really, really useful. We saw a lot of that in the Betrayal of Darth Revan um, at Gen Con. Uh, the scout in that game was making excellent use of it for the most part. And on that same note, Dave, um, pretty much the camouflage talent tree um, on the core rulebook, page 49, all of it, every single bit of it. Um, I mean, it's, it's the scout's greatest asset. Uh, all three talents in this tree let you use stealth better than anyone else and make the most out of it when you do use it. No question, no argument. When you are playing a ranged fighter, you are going to want to take advantage of cover concealment not only do they make it harder to hit but you can hit things better and improve your accuracy when your foes are denied their decks to their reflex defense you're going to want to maximize that as often as you can um and to do that you're going to have to hide you're going to have to stealth which means you're going to need cover and concealment so use it moving on looking at the soldier aspect of it the weapon specialist talent tree um the whole talent tree. This is the best and really the only essential talent tree from the soldier class for a sniper. Um, it's on page 53 of the core rulebook. Uh, the gem here is devastating attack. Um, you're going to be doing an average damage lower than a melee fighter normally. So you want to make your hits count. Okay, And that's the bottom line. When you do hit, make sure you move them down the condition track. I mean, Dave, you, you know, we just allowed retraining in my home game, uh, like one choice, and you totally retrained out of Devastating Attack because your average damage was beating the threshold by 10 points anyway on most of your hits. Right. So it was almost useless for you. But that's because you're doing so much damage. With a ranged fighter, you're going to run the risk of not doing that level of damage. You want to make sure that you're moving them down the condition track with each hit. Yep. So very important. Penetrating Attack, same story, different book. With DR, it's really only going to take a plus, uh, take effect with usually really hefty droids, um, vehicles, and stuff like that. But with a lot of the new books, we're starting to see a lot of uh, creatures that have DR. As a matter of fact, if I recall, you guys fought some last night um, uh, that you weren't too terribly happy about. So overcoming DR is also a very, very good, good thing. Lastly, weapon specialization in that tree. Um... Yeah, plus two to damage, so what? Listen, over time, this will seriously increase your average damage output. Yes, weapon focus is a prerequisite to get it, but frankly, you should have weapon focus anyway at this point, if you're playing this type of build. So there you go. Okay, Dave, feats. There's a lot here. Uh, really a feat of awesomeness. Yep, some you getting... have to have, though. Yeah, but I mean, we're, we will not have to, want to. We're getting to the meat here. All right. It is truly the feats that make or break a good sniper, bottom line. And we see this in a lot of other D20-based role-playing games where combat is usually more accentuated by feats uh, in terms of, of actual physical combat and other special abilities, for lack of a better term, casting or magic. In this case, the Force is often most greatly accentuated by class abilities or talents. So there's no exception here. Feats are really what pump a sniper to the next level. So let's talk about some essential stuff that you may or may not have known was out there, and stuff you may not have thought about that you really should have. First of all, point-blank shot, precise shot. This is a no-brainer. This should be the first things you pick up, period. Okay? Frankly, a rifle's point-blank is what? Uh, uh, is it 30 squares? 30 squares, yeah. 
30 squares, okay? You're rarely not going to be within 30 squares, okay? So point blank shot does double duty, plus one to hit and plus one to damage as long as you're within 30 squares. That alone, incredible, okay? Precise shot, essential. You cannot afford to take a minus five penalty to an attack roll, ever, ever. And if you're fighting from distance, you're going to have somebody up close. You need to have precise shot. Those should be the first two feats you pick up, hands down. Moving along, probably two of the most important feats I, I think you should get as early as you possibly can, aside from point blank and precise, careful shot and dead eye, as soon as you can meet the prerequisites for them. Some folks will swear up and down that rapid shot and double attack are the road to better sniping. Increase your damage, all right? True masters of the ranged arts, they know better, okay? For the long shot, you don't want minuses to hit, and that's what both those feats do for you. You're going to want to take your time. You're going to want to sight down the scope, and you're going to want to aim, all right? Which is where both of these feats get their strengths from. Not only will aiming generally negate cover, it's beyond the benefit of aiming, um, and all the penalties associated with cover, but with these two feats, you will increase both your accuracy and your damage when you take the time to aim. All right, aim should be your middle name if you're a sniper. Far shot. Now, there's a lot of debate about this. Okay, far shot, Dave. Eh, I mean, it's really kind of a maybe, uh, more or less. I mean, but we we really have to have to talk about it. Where, when have I? In, in a situation I'm trying to think of in, in Star Wars Saga, I don't know that I've ever been more than 30 squares away from anything. Ever. Yeah, most most game maps aren't that big, quite frankly. Um, one of the bigger gripes about the system for people that are just exposed to it is that the ranges are too, too big. And I know why they did it. I mean, from a design perspective, you want these large ranges because, well, from a realism standpoint, they, are, they do make sense. But moreover, it's what gives range com- combatants some type of an edge over melee. Because right now, I mean, me- I mean like with, it, with RCR, melee overpowered everything all the time, always. It was just disgusting. So, I mean, I get why they're doing it. But you're right. So, honestly, this is a maybe. Look at how your GM is structuring his encounters. See how the play goes. I mean, I wouldn't take far shot out the gate. Maybe later on, if your GM is giving you the opportunity to set up yourself more than, you know, 30 squares away, uh, more than point blank. You know, and then, hey, avoid the medium range penalty. Great. For a feat. Why not? If you are never more than 30 squares away from your target, like Dave says, you almost never are, don't bother with it. It's not worth it. Too expensive. Too expensive. Sniper. Whoa. Ignore soft cover. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, a lot of people don't realize that you know if someone's standing in front of if, if something's standing in front of your target, they provide your target cover, and um, that's a really bad bad thing. Now aiming will negate that, but if you don't have the time to aim, especially if you're in a hurry or you're moving, sniper is worth its weight in gold. Take it when you can. By the same token, weapon focus. Hey, it's a plus one to hit. Take it. Enough said. There's no reason not to. Plus, it's a prerequisite for uh, for um, weapon specialization. And it's very important. Yep. Now, two other feats that are not in the core rulebook that really, really lend themselves to sniping that I want to talk about because a lot of people don't know they're there. Um, the first one is from page 35 of the KOTOR campaign guide. Republic military training. Now, this is an odd little feat, but I really like it, and I will tell you why. Since you are going to be finding cover whenever you can as a sniper, 
um, not only for the bonus to reflex defense that it will give you, but also so you can use the stealth skill. And if you get hit, Republic military training allows you, once an encounter, if you get hit and you have cover, to retroactively, instantly, inter- as an interrupt, gain DR10 against that attack. Literally let the cover take the damage. At least 10 points of it. That's fantastic. So if you get hit, now you have this. Absolutely wonderful, and I really like it. The second and last feat I really want to showcase here is from page 33 of the Force Unleashed campaign guide. There's so much beauty in the Force Unleashed campaign guide. You've got to pick it up (laughs) if you don't have it. Um, Crossfire. Now, this is an interesting feat that no one's really talked about yet, and I love it. Crossfire makes you almost want to have soft cover. All right. So we talked about the soft cover situation, Dave. When okay, so you're aiming for a target, and there's somebody else in front of that target. Okay, that's soft cover. Now, if you have sniper, you can avoid that. If you aim, you can avoid that. But here's the deal: once a round, if you aim at a target who has soft, or if you if you fire at a target who has soft cover, and you miss him, then you can take the same attack roll and apply it to the creature that's giving soft cover. So you can hit them instead. Huh. Uh, which is just brilliant. Um, I absolutely love it. And the way the feat is worded, it doesn't say that if you aim to negate the soft cover that you can't do this. It doesn't say if you have sniper, which negates the soft cover, you can do this. So even with those options, you can avoid the penalty of soft cover. But if you still miss, you can use the attack roll to try and hit the guy that was in front of him anyway. And that's just brilliant. <laughs> nice. So... I love Crossfire, page 33, Force Unleashed Campaign Guide. It's wonderful. Yep. Absolutely wonderful. Yep. And as we kind of close off this discussion, um, for the, let's, let's talk about things and going, going for the prestige here, specifically for the prestige class. Okay, here's where it gets broken. Um, I only want to talk about one prestige class here because, uh, frankly, there's only really one that's made for the sniper, and if you don't take it, I pity you. Um, another reason to take levels in Scout, Bounty Hunter. Bottom line, we've talked about the glories of the Bounty Hunter Prestige class, page 207, core rulebook. Hunter's Mark, Hunter's Target, and Relentless are just too good. I mean, bottom line, um, once again, aiming. With Hunter's uh, Hunter's Mark, which in my opinion is one of the key notabilities of the Prestige class, if you aim and you hit, you move them down the condition track one step automatically. And that's just disgustingly nasty. Um... Other than that, um, the other prestige classes that could play a role in this, um, honestly, some people talk about, um, uh, uh, you know, there's, well, there, there's a few other. Unfortunately, a lot of the new books, we were hoping for a lot of range prestige classes. The only other really range specialist prestige class that's in any of the books is Gunslinger, but I really don't recommend that for the sniper, mostly because a Gunslinger special abilities revolve around pistols, and if you're playing a good sniper, you're going to want not only the range of a rifle, but also the damage of a rifle. So there's that. There's Elite Trooper, which has some really neat ranged abilities, but most of the ranged abilities revolve around lessening the penalty for making multiple attacks or uh, stuff like Rapid Shot. And honestly, if you're making your build right, you're probably going to want to steer away from those things to begin with anyway. Um, you know, Taking these things with the anticipation of lessening their penalties later is usually not that great of an idea. So, you know, honestly, I would just go Bounty Hunter. It's really the, really an awesome thing, but... Consider not taking a prestige class. 
I mean, you and I were talking about this, what, last night, Dave? Yeah. That, you know, there's this big movement now, especially over on the Gleemax boards. People are saying, you know, is it just better to never take a prestige class? Because you're losing out on all these feats when you do. And as we talked about, feats are really what make a range fighter what they are. Right. So, there you go. Um, my preferred build, quite frankly, if I was going to build a sniper from the ground up, I would probably go Gungan or Gran. I would uh, take most likely three levels in Scout, um, maybe more until I picked up all the camouflage talent tree, um, and then maybe some soldiers to beef up my base attack bonus and get some of the nastier weapon talents. Um, and then I would, you know, as my feats, pick up precise and point blank as quickly as possible, pick up uh, as soon as as soon as I possibly can, uh, careful shot in Deadeye, um, Sniper, um, and then probably uh, Crossfire would be my next big hit. Um, but, you know, other than that, and that's, just, that's right there is what? That's a level 7 build, level 8 build. That's it. And then as you go, I'd move into, uh, I'd move directly into Bounty Hunter at that point. So that's kind of where I'd go with it. But I hope this talk has given you guys a little bit of something to think about. You know, I'll look at some of the uh, options that are out there and how they might play into it. And if you guys disagree with me, if you think my build uh, is, is crappy, my suggestions are awful, I want to hear about it. I would love to hear about it. So please get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum. Sign up. Post your mind and tell me that I'm a chode, please. I'd very much like to hear it. I've only had one poster bold enough to do it with a legitimate concern, too. He's like, I totally disagree with you on this. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You can. Uh, Here, let me argue with you. And we had a good argument about it. It was really great. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anything was resolved. But, uh, you know, it was absolutely fantastic. So, please, let me know. Do you love how Skubuda here is uh, saying that uh, you're shorter than he expected? (laughs) Ah, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm 5'10". I'd like to have you know. Thank you. That's so yes. funny. Yes. Like, like that's tall. 5'10". Uh-huh. Yeah. My driver's license is wrong. It says 5'9". I'm not 5'9". I'm 5'10". Damn it. Damn it. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. All right. Hey, I want to take this time to totally pimp out Force Unleashed. You guys have got to go out and get this game. If for no other reason yeah. than to support our friend Sam Whitworth. Yeah, Sam Whitworth, of course, is the uh, fo- face and voice of Vader's Apprentice, and uh, just most recently Doomsday. had a freaking awesome role on Smallville. If any of you watch that show, that's awesome that you should watch. Um, but uh, I mean, got it, probably his first big break is Crashdown in the new Battlestar Galactica, and has just been on a host of other things. Uh, but that's, uh, that's right, a really good actor and an avid Star Wars role player. Um, and also, if my eyes did not deceive me, he also was a, uh, a one of the playtesters for the Force Unleashed campaign guide. <laughs> uh, very cool. Very cool. So, yeah, if you guys haven't played the Force Unleashed yet, the video game, it's really awesome. I got it for the Wii. Oh, dude. Yeah. It's great. Wow, man. Yeah. I just, I just can't imagine playing that on the Wii. With It seemed like so complicated to me. Uh, it took a little bit, a little bit of getting used to, but it's worth it. The one thing though, the, the graphics obviously aren't as good. You just don't have the capability, um, and nor do you have the downloadable content that they have with the Xbox 360. There's all these extra downloadable levels that are supposed to be coming out. Right. But um, eh, it, it is what it is. So yeah, seriously, check out the Force Unleashed. It's totally awesome. And check out the Force Unleashed campaign guide while you're at it. We're going to be coming to it soon, guys. I know we still got a lot of Kotor to talk about, um, and and a few other things. But I also want to take this time to ask for requests. 
Um, you know, we've been uh, really focusing on Dave and I. We've, we've, you know, we we had planned on going through all the books and going on the technical stuff, and we still can if you guys want. But there's so much out there now. We've barely scratched the surface of the Force uh, of uh, Kotor, and there's so much left. And now the Force Unleashed is out, and we haven't even touched it. Scum and Villainy comes out next month. Tell us what you want us to cover, guys. Go to the d20radio.com slash forums. Go to our request thread. Tell us what you want. We will gladly do it. Our last couple podcasts have been nothing but user requests, and we want to keep it that way because this is your podcast. A veritable smorgasbord of gaming goodness. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Very good. In a world. Never mind. In a world. Oh, poor. Uh, We've talked about LaFontaine. Poor Don LaFontaine. He's dead. Poor Don LaFontaine. Oh, well. Well, Whoa. I need to cheer up, Dave. The Wookiee's going to pick him up and throw him down the chute. Yes. Okay. You want to try and get in touch with uh, TK421? We can try. Um, I mean, now, now last week, uh, I, didn't, I didn't get the press release. You did. He, he wasn't available last week because he was, he was stuck in... What was it? He was stuck in... Uh, in, in, in fighting was that it or I he was on a some kind of top secret dispatch I'm not entirely sure what he was doing but uh-huh. you know okay well let's see if we can't get a hold of him okay sure TK421 TK421 are you at your well never mind TK421 come in I told you he wouldn't well, be well hey guys how the hell y'all doing hoser well <laughs> I'm back, son. <laughs> Where were you? Oh, man, you know, I, I can't really talk about it. You know, it's kind of kind of secret, you know, little, little top secret news there. You know, you know, our imperial conditioning, we can't just be going around spouting off what we're doing about, you know, stuff like that. But suffice it to say, I was engaged in the semi-successful defense of a highly secret imperial facility uh, that them darn rebels came and and kind of well they they, they kind of blew it up. Uh, <laughs> but but I lived and so did the boss man and uh, we kind of floated around in space for a couple weeks. Um, he, he, he's in this new ship. It's all kind of experimental-like, and I was in my Tie Fighter, and uh, you know we just we just you know we were we were playing solitaire in there, kind of coming around, and eventually we hooked up. You know we made a campfire, made some s'mores. We were waiting on you know, a pickup, you know. But uh, after a couple of weeks, they came, you know, and uh, it was okay. But man, that was a heck of a battle. I tell you what, heck wow. of a battle. That sounds no, fun. I don't, I don't fight in space much, man. You ever fight in space? No, I haven't really. But, you know, you figure a, a big thing like that could be protected by your uh, Dark Lord of the Sith there. Oh, I know not of what you speak, man, but okay, I'll tell you whatever, what. Whatever, whatever. I'll tell you what, man. You know what? If I ever meet a girl named Thermal Exhaustport, I sure as hell ain't going to get with her because you know what? It's darn easy to do so, and I'm a little worried about that right there. Hell. Yep. But you know what, man? Space combat, it was hard, man. You know you know how hard it is to hit something in space? You can't hit a damn thing, son. Yeah, I know how that is. You gotta be right next to somebody. You be blasting away, they be moving around. I swear, you think with how accurate these darn blaster rifles is, they could put a decent weapon on a goddamn spaceship, but no, nothing. I know. You know, you're, you're killing me, Smalls. You really are. Uh, oh well. All right, no, 
Bowser. Well, listen, I gotta get going, man. Uh, you know, uh, Lord, uh, Lord, Va uh, I mean, uh, 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 the boss man. The boss he, uh, man, yeah. he, he, He's called me to his chamber. Something important. I think he might want to play Pinochle again. Pinochle? Okay. All right, man. Well, have fun. Don't beat him too bad because then he might just reach out and uh, you'll be dead. Okay, I won't. I won't. You guys be good, son. It's good talking to you. I'll talk to y'all next week, okay? All right. Sounds good. Later, hosers. Later on, man. And there he goes. Bye, TK. Yep. <sighs> Hadn't talked to him in a while, have we? No, it's good to hear from him. Good yeah. to hear from him. I uh, I, I kind of wish we had him this weekend, man. You know, I could have used a could have used somebody out on the on the barbecue grill when we were role playing. That would have been helpful. Yep. Yeah. He grills, he grills up a good cohoon. I understand. Um, you have to eat around the stingers, but uh, the meat's pretty tender. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. D20 Docking Bay Hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. There we go. Well, we have entered the D20 docking bay where we tackle thorny rules issues that require some deeper examination. And if you guys have anything serious you would like us to cover in the D20 docking bay, you can, of course, go to our forums, d20radio.com slash forum, and post it up on our D20 docking bay request thread where there are pages and pages of people waiting to have their questions answered. Not really. Um, Literally dozens of people are waiting dozens, for this. Dozens show. of people are waiting, Yes. Um, so, there we go. But uh, today's D20 Docking Bay is brought to you by Wellesley, who did not post. He actually emailed me uh, this week with a quandary. Have I ever seen uh, him actually post? Uh, maybe. This could be... It was Wellesley at Hotmail.com. I don't know. Um, and and he, he signed the email Wellesley. I, I don't know what his screen name might Wellesley. be if he has one on the forums. Sounds like a good British chop. It does. Yeah. Um, but he writes, Hey, GM Chris, I'm flipping out. I doubt he's British. Liar. Uh, Starship combat is killing me. Smalls. I think the rules are fine, but no, there's just so much that can't hold up to personal combat. Not you can't true. take cover or concealment. Space. Ranges are awfully long, usually only one or two squares, making it impossible to hit anything at range. That's space, dork. I don't have Starships of the Galaxy, so I'm not sure what it talks about in terms of these things. How do they expect fun Starship combat to happen? What do you do in your own games? Thanks, Wells. Huh. Well, 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 Wellesley. Uh, now, listeners, I did get Wellesley's email actually a couple weeks ago, um, and it tied in beautifully with our discussion last week, but I thought I would address it this week. Um, first of all, Wellesley, anyone else is listening, if you don't have Starships of the Galaxy, go get, get it. it. It's totally worth it. And if you, sir, are as into Starship combat as it sounds like you are, then it's worth sweating gold to you. And with um, gold going only, up, it's worth even more. Exactly. Not only because it addresses concerns and things that uh, you have expressed, um, not so much dealing with ranges, but um, in particular, uh, building an encounter. There's stuff you can use certain talents and feats, and we kind of talked about this in one of our questions answered last episode, um, where you can you can develop cover and concealment situations based on having other ships around you, and you can use the stealth skill, things like that. So it's... Uh, it's, it's a worthwhile buy, trust me. 
But let's let's kind of get into this at least briefly. Uh, let's talk about improving starship combat encounters. Um, first and foremost, Wellesley, let's talk about the range issue. Now, starship weapon ranges are detailed on page 168 of the core rulebook, and they are in are indeed very very short. Okay, usually one, two, sometimes three squares for point blank ranges, but that's very rare. This is for a couple reasons. Okay, first of all, a starship scale square is big really 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 big okay second have you ever watched a battle in space in star wars it takes everything those guys have to hit a goddamn thing they can't ever hit anything it takes minutes of a dogfight and chasing someone down to finally hit them capital ship weapons gun turrets they never hit anything even in ship to ship ship to ship combat it, it's just it takes forever Okay. I know, and it's amazing how sometimes R2 gets hit every time. R- well, you know. Wow! You know, it's, it's, very, it's very cinematic. Cinematic glory. Yeah. So you see, what they don't know is that R2 has, R2 has a level in Soldier. He took the harm's way talent. That's what he that's what he did. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Okay, so basically, that's an interesting point of, of the cinematic era uh, that we're playing in. But more importantly... It's kind of important because from a game balance perspective, starship combat can be pretty lethal, especially in single fighters. Sometimes, I mean, you have weapons that'll do so much damage to a snub fighter that they'll take it out in a single hit, all right? So being difficult to hit is kind of important. And they have controlled this in game terms with range penalties. It's how they've done it, okay? It makes sense. So the solution for a good pilot, okay? There's several things you can do. First and foremost, take advantage of your feats. Okay, we just talked about far shot, all right? Maybe a kind of so-so feat to take for a ranged combatant. If you're a pilot, you damn sure need to take it because far shot doubles your point-blank range. And when you're talking about a two squares becoming four squares, that's a big deal because, I'm sorry, starship combat is not taking place on 30 square grids. It's taking place in a very small space. And that's where that feat's really going to matter and, and and count. And that's very important. So, a wonderful way to deal with it. Okay, second of all, keep in mind that feats like point-blank shots still apply. So you're going to want uh, want those those uh, those feats to take advantage of and really get that plus to hit. All right. The final solution I can recommend to you, if you will notice, most starship weapons, especially lasers, have auto-fire. And remember, auto-fire in starship scale targets a single square, but it's still an area attack. You only have to hit a reflex defense of 10 to do half damage. So even with those massive distance penalties, you're spraying laser at them, you're probably going to get some damage done as long as you can hit that 10. That's very important. Okay. Yep. Now, as far as improving your starship combat in general, building an environment. Let's talk about this. In particular, cover and concealment. Now, last episode, in terms of personal combat, I ranted and railed for an hour and a half about the necessity of cover and concealment. And I still think it's there in starship combat. You can do it, all right? Elevation, not so much. Starship combat seems to take place on a flat playing field, which is not very realistic, and yet it seems to be that way in the films, if you actually take a look at it. Um, cover and concealment is entirely possible and doable. All it takes is a little bit of rules manipulation. Now, I, I, I will just get very pissed off if I see space combat where it's an open field of stars and like one or two ships and that's it. There needs to be something more than that and you can provide it. Asteroids. Alright? You can even use 
rocks and just put them right on the game mat, all right? Asteroids provide marvelous cover, okay, for yourself and, and for your enemies as well. In addition, other ships not only provide you cover, but soft cover at that, okay? Concealment. Now, this is a bit tougher, but there's creative, wonderful ways you can go about doing this. Nebulas, space clouds, chunks of space dust. You can put these in the map as areas that grant concealment and maybe other things as well. Perhaps they slow movement by a square, things of that nature. Be creative, all right? But don't be afraid to put some house rules out there or introduce some new mechanics as long as they're not overpowering. The best suggestion I can give you in that regard is keep in mind that as a GM, you have the power to impose a situational plus or minus two to just about anything you do, all right? Whether it be an attack roll, a skill check, anything your players do. Use, and the game is designed with that in mind, so you can do that without breaking anything. Use that. If you put a nebula in the middle of, there, middle of, uh, of, of the space grid, you know, when you're inside, hey, that's a plus two to your reflex defense, or a minus two to hit, or whatever. That plus and minus two is your leeway. Use it, all right? Yep. With a combination of, of, of good thinking use of existing feats and not being restricted by the rules but encouraging your players to use the rules in new and creative ways say yes as opposed to no if the rules don't say you can do it don't dismiss it out of hand think about it first and starship combat can be really exciting and a lot of fun so a few good pieces of advice to build your starship encounters i hope that helps answers your question somewhat but uh, if you guys have any other wonderful suggestions for Starship Combat, we'd like to hear them, post them up on the forums, email them up to us, and we'll cover them in the show as well. That's a right, because that's the way we roll here on the Order 66 podcast. It, 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 yes, wahoo. During episode number 38. Yeah. Episode number 38. I can't believe it's episode 38. We're coming up on 40. You realize that? I know, dude. I know. We're going to have, uh, in our first year of existence, we're going to wind up doing 48, 49 podcasts. Considering we that's didn't right. even start January 1st, that's a heck of an achievement. No kidding. Wow. Well, man, that was a fairly long episode. And our first simulcast web episode, thank you for those of you who are logged on right now and uh, watching me point my finger at the camera like a dumbass. <laughs> um, and uh, we got to do this again. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Fantastic. Next fantastic. week, we'll do it again. Thank you very much to the chat room for sticking with us through this time. I know we've got some technical kinks here and there. I don't know if we'll be able to work them out completely, but you have no idea what the chat room sounded like three weeks ago when we started trying to figure this out. It was was horrible. Very true. Yeah. And next week, we may have maybe a guest. Oh, boy. But I don't think we can comment quite on that one way or the other just yet. You're going to jinx it. I'm not gonna jinx. Okay, I'm not gonna jinx it. But if we don't have a guest, we're gonna be continuing with our uh, our, our our super builds. Basically, um, the next request I have on the list so far was the medic, and so we're gonna be covering that. Um, but if you guys have any other requests, please get them to us on the forum. And uh, hopefully, we won't be doing that at all next week. We'll be having our guest. But if not, we'll be doing that. That's so, there we go. Right, absolutamente. And no matter what happens, guys. Do not go to Star Wars Fan Days this weekend in Plano, <laughs> Plano Texas. <laughs> yep. Yeah, as yes. we tell 400 people that don't live in Texas anyway, not to go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. Yep. All right, guys. Well, with that, thank you all for listening. I wish you peace, love, and good gaming.
This is Zuppi, Jedi Apprentice from the D20 Radio Forums, and I discovered the true power of the dark side by listening to the Order 66 podcast and GM Chris. What is thy bidding, my master? And keep those dice rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related websites, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Hey, this is Kat, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist in the alternate universe.